Yeah, Merry Christmas. All right, man, good to see you on New Year's Eve. I mean, uh, New Year's Eve. Donna's got me all messed up this morning. On Christmas Eve. Hey, man, uh, we just want to share the Christmas story this morning and, and make a couple of points. Uh, Bill and I were praying as we were going through Christmas, and we were thinking, you know, and praying, and, and it just came to us, man, what a strange way. What a strange way to save the world, right? You know, a couple of weeks ago, we started these messages. God had been silent for 400 years. Guys, God hadn't spoken to anybody. There's been no miracle. There's been no prophet. Nothing for 14 to 16 generations. Nothing. And then all of a sudden, a priest in the temple, right? Zechariah, God speaks to him. He and Elizabeth are going to have a baby. Who's the baby? Who is that? John the Baptist. Because Isaiah 40 says, hey, there's one coming that's going to make a pathway for the Messiah. There's one coming that's going to make a pathway for the Lord. John the Baptist was the last Old Testament prophet who lived in New Testament times. That was in Luke 1. In Luke 1, 26, six months after the angel Gabriel comes to Mary, who's a young virgin that was engaged to Joseph, and says, hey, Mary, you're going to have a baby. She's, what, what, what? How can this be? I've never been with a man. He said, hey, the angel of the Lord or, or, or the Lord, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you and you're going to give birth to the Son of the Most High. Talk about <coughs> blowing your mind. All she's doing, she's 14, 15, 16, planning for a wedding. And now this, and I love her response. Man, write this down on your mirror at home, refrigerator, somewhere. Luke 1.38. Man, write this down. This is the way we should respond because God came to Mary because she was highly favored. Okay? It said, blessed, you are blessed. You are highly favored. Mary's thinking, why could I be highly favored? Well, here's why she was highly favored. Her response to the angel was this. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Man, that's the way we need to live our life for Jesus Christ. Right? That's the way we need to. Lord, I'm your servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then Mary, she goes to stay with Elizabeth for, for three months. Right? The angel Gabriel said, hey, Mary, look, by the way, you're, you're, you're Elizabeth and Zechariah. They have a... Uh, they have a... Uh, They have a, give me a, give me this one, how about that, is it on now, there we go, but hey, they're pregnant, they're having a baby, and now you're going to have a baby, so she goes, stays with Elizabeth for six months, John the Baptist is born, and then in Matthew 1, 18 through 25, you know, Joseph is engaged to Mary already, right? Imagine his reaction when she comes back three months pregnant. But see, an angel of the Lord, God had that worked out already. An angel of the Lord came to Joseph in a dream and tells him, Look, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because the baby inside of her is from God. It is God. It's the Son of the Most High. And Joseph, you're to name him Jesus. Because he's going to save their people, his people from their sins. And you know, Joseph, he didn't, he didn't go meet, he didn't get on Facebook the next morning. 
He didn't make, make no phone calls. What did he do? He said, when Joseph woke up, he did just as the angel said. When he woke up, instant obedience. Man, if there's one thing that we can get from Mary and Joseph, well, there's two things really. One, don't be afraid. Talk about rocking their world. Don't be afraid. Look, God's in control, right? Don't be afraid. Trust me. Don't be afraid. Have faith in me. And then the next one is instant obedience because God's got it. So here we are in Luke chapter 2. That is all takes taking place. And it says, look, in Luke chapter 2, 1 through 39, at that time the Roman emperor, emperor Augustus decreed a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. The first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. Now, time out for a minute. Luke is a phenomenal. He's, only, he's a doctor, okay? Luke is a doctor, but he is a phenomenal historian, okay? He, he's a historian. So he's documented these things to the Greeks that shared the story of what actually happened. And it said, because of Joseph, verse 4, because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. That was his, David's ancient home. It says, he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And we know the end of the story, right? I mean, she has the baby when she gets to Bethlehem. So ladies, all you ladies who are carrying a baby, who had a baby, imagine riding on a donkey for 60, 65, 70 miles, probably took four to five, maybe six days to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. You're riding a donkey, and when you get there, you're having a baby. That's crazy. I got a lot more respect for Mary, man, right, than you ever had. She gave birth while they were there, verse 6, while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, a manger that's a feeding trough. Why a feeding trough? Because there was no lodging available for them. There was no room available. Quick, quick, quick question here. Is there room in our heart today for Jesus? It really, is there room in our heart of hearts today for Jesus? That night there were shepherds out in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory shone around them. Imagine that for a minute. Y'all ever seen the northern lights? Imagine the northern lights on one trillion times steroids, Okay. The, the, the radiance of God's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, right? Keep in mind, it's been 400 years before a prophet or before an angel, before anything. It's been 400 years, right? They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby snugly wrapped in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The army, listen to this, the armies of heaven. 
Guys, you know, in the Bible, I don't know anywhere else in the Bible where the armies of heaven have gathered to rejoice, to praise God, and the radiance of God's glory shone on earth like it did here. Not even at creation. And God did that for us. God did that for you, for me. Man, if nothing else, that should blow our mind this morning. It should rock our world this morning that God would do that for us, right? They were praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. How is God pleased? How is God most pleased with us? This is a whole different sermon. This don't cost you a dime. Don't cost you a dime this morning. It's like a stocking. You know, you get Christmas presents under the tree. This is the stocking, okay, that's hanging on the chimney, right? How is God most pleased with us? Two things. Hebrews eleven six tells us, one, we please God by, starts with an F, five letters, faith. We please Him by faith and in obedience. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. To those who live by faith, to those who are obedient to Him. Right? When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem, man. Let's, let's see this thing that's happened that the Lord has told us about. They hurried. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there, there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. So I believe they were forever changed, man. Because I don't believe you can meet Jesus and stay the same. Even baby Jesus lying in a manger, I don't think you can meet him and stay the same. And these guys, their world was rocked, man. You think they weren't looking for the Messiah? Man, everybody in Jerusalem was looking for the Savior. They were looking for the Messiah. God had been silent for 400 years. Think about that. They're jonesing for the Messiah to come. They're under Roman rule. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel told them. Then Luke chapter 2, down 21, it says, Eight days later when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel and even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering. And this was about 40 days after the circumcision. Is required by law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Uh, verse 23 said, look, the law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. And that came from Exodus 13.2. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And then here God confirms the promise of the Messiah. Because see, the Bible is the greatest interpreter. The Bible is the greatest interpreter of the Bible. Okay? So God knew people would be doubters, right? 
God knew there's going to be some doubters along. So here he confirms, he confirms the Messiah. Verse 25, Luke 2, 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arm and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's, baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Now, what's the sword that pierces Mary's soul? It's the crucifixion, right? I mean, if you've ever had a child, man, can you imagine your firstborn born child being crucified? I mean, that would pierce your soul, right? The loss of a child, man, is, is, I mean, is excruciating. And Mary, just, it just ripped her heart. After that, Anna the prophet was also there in the temple. She was a daughter of Phanel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they'd been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom and God's favor was on him. Sometime after this, and before Jesus was two years old, that's when the wise men from the east come to visit Jesus. They come into town. They've got an entourage with them. It's not just three guys on camels. I mean, there's an entourage Probably anywhere, maybe 50, 75, 100 people traveling with them. And it may not have been three. There were three that gave gifts. There could have been more magi or wise men traveling with them. So when they come into Jerusalem, it says all of Jerusalem was disturbed. They go to see Herod. Hey, why are you here? We're here to see the king. We're here to light. The light has shown the way for us to go see the king of Israel that's been born. He's freaking out. He calls the religious leaders the religious leaders and teachers of the law, they say, hey, man, where's this king that's supposed to be born? They say, well, Micah the prophet says it's to be born in Bethlehem. So they go and worship. They say, hey, man, when you come back from worshiping Jesus, hey, come and let me know because I want to worship him too. God spoke to the wise men when they were there and said, don't you go back to Herod. You go home another way. They go worship Jesus. They give him gold and frankincense and myrrh, gifts fit for a king. They go home a different way. Herod is so mad. He, he is filled with rage and wrath. And what does he do? He kills every child, male child, under the age of two in that area. 
to try to wipe out Jesus. Man, that's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. So here's the thing, man. Zechariah was given John the Baptist because the Messiah is coming, right? Zechariah and Elizabeth. Mary, Joseph, their family is aware, right? The shepherds, it's revealed to them. The shepherds go tell the whole town. It says people are astonished. Simeon in the temple shares. That's two priests. Now we've got Anna who was in the temple who was, who was fasting and praying. She shares with everybody. Man, the fact that the Messiah has come is not a secret. Right? It's no secret. Herod kills probably anywhere from 40 to... Some researchers don't know. They think it might be anywhere from 40 to 60 children that were killed during that time. Okay, Because you know that area was a small area. But man, after you do that and people are asking, why are you killing my child? I mean, people knew. People knew what was going on, right? It was no secret. But Jesus went home. He grew up healthy. And we have, we have nothing about Jesus' life. From that point, when the wise men left him, until he's 12 years old at the temple, right? When he, he's, he's lost, his family's left him, left him back at the temple. You know, Jesus, where are we at, man? What's wrong with you, man? I must be about my father's business. And we don't have a lot from 12 years old to when he starts his ministry. But right here, we know what he did. It said he grew up healthy, he was strong, he was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. That's the birth of our Savior. Man, is that not a strange way to save the world? Is this not the craziest stuff? Hollywood ain't got nothing on, on the Bible. It's crazy, man. It, it, you know, it is, as strange as it was, it was God's way. It was God's way, and when the time was just right, God sent Jesus his birth, his death, his life is the fulfillment of God's promise in Genesis 3.15. Remember Adam and Eve sinned and God's handing out, the, passing out the curses? That's Genesis 3.15 was a foreshadowing of this day. And it's here. Guys, that's what we celebrate. Emmanuel, right? God with us. Jesus, the Savior who would save his people from their sins. But why, why this way? Why, why, why does it have to be this way? Because God had to have a sacrifice that was worthy of the sin. See, if you're offended, if you're offended to the point of, 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 of execution, right? You're offended to the point of killing everybody. Don't you get to decide what makes that right? You're the one offended, so you decide what makes that right. God was the one offended. So God decides what makes that right. And he didn't just give us a sacrifice that would satisfy for today. No, he gave us a, a sacrifice that would satisfy forever. Jesus was the perfect lamb of God that takes away all sin, guys. The Bible says in, in Psalms, as far as the east is from the west. You know how far that is? Our sins are forgiven. There was only one that could do that. Man, for Christmas, read, read about God's sacrifice in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 7, 9, and 10 talks about the perfect sacrifice. 
It was only Jesus could do that, right? The Son of the Most High God. God Himself paid our price so we could be restored and reconciled to Him. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. God showed us how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But God, don't you love that? But God. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love that he has for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. Christmas. I don't think there's any greater display of the love, grace, and mercy of God than the birth of Jesus Christ. His birth, His life, and His death. There is no greater picture of God's love for us. Guys, that's the significance of Christmas. That's what Christmas is. So just like the angels when they came to the shepherds, man, let's worship Him. Let's praise Him for the gift that's been given. And don't just take the gift, man, and take it home and put it on some shelf somewhere. Some spiritual shelf in your house that you get down on Sunday because that's what we do on Sunday. No, man, take it and open up this wonderful gift in Jesus Christ and put it on. Take off the old and put on the new in Jesus Christ and live in Him. Wear the gift out, right? Try to wear it out. I challenge you, man. Try to wear out the gift that God's given us in Jesus. You can't. You can't wear it out because you can't wear him out. Man, he knows where we are. He knows us in our sin. He knows us spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. And he saved us from all of that if we just simply accept him. As I was reading through this, this morning, I, I, I went through and I thought about some things, and, and, and I want to end with this. There's some responses when you read the Christmas story. Go, go back and read the Christmas story again sometime this week, and look at the different responses of the people, okay? Mary Joseph responded, no fear, but in faith, right? They responded in faith. Look at at how the wise men and the angels, the shepherds responded. They started worshiping and praising, right? Worshiping, praising. There was excitement, man. Look, there's excitement. The shepherds, they didn't drag around and show up to see Jesus a week later. They went that very moment. They took off right then to Bethlehem. Left their flocks to go see the Savior. Look, man, there was hope and assurance of salvation. Simeon and Anna, who were in the temple, there was hope and assurance of salvation. I have seen the Messiah. I've seen the Savior. Now I can die in peace. See, guys, here's the thing, man. If we don't have Jesus, you ain't going to die in peace. We're all going to die, but you are not going to die in peace without the Savior. 
I've been in hospitals. I've been in places where there's peace, and I've been in places where there is no peace. And man, I'm telling you, you need Jesus today. You don't want to die without his peace. Those are the positive responses. And then look, look, at, the, look at the negative responses, okay? One that was apathy and complacency. No one is recorded going to see Jesus other than the shepherds. And they told everybody in the town. Nobody else went. Complacency and apathy. The wise men knew where Jesus was at. When all them, when I'm all, not the wise men, the, the, uh, the religious leaders, when the wise men came to town, not one went to go see Jesus, to go find Jesus. Apathy, complacency. The next thing, man, is there was wrath. There was wrath and anger and hostility. Herod killed all those children trying to wipe Jesus out. And you know, it wasn't just Herod who had wrath and anger and hostility towards Jesus. The religious leaders also had hostility and anger towards Jesus. And the last thing, there was rejection and denial of who Jesus was. Because Jesus didn't fit their perspective of a Savior. Jesus didn't fit their perspective or perception of what a Savior should be. Or, or because it was going to mess up their political perspective or their, their, their position in, in Judea. Whatever the reason may be, they still, they rejected and they denied Jesus. What's your response today to Jesus? What's our response? I know Christmas is aggravating sometimes. It, sometimes it gets more commercial. You know, sometimes it's all about, I got to find a gift, got to find a gift, got to find a gift. But man, even in spite of those things, in spite of all the things that are going on, what's your response, not to Christmas, but to Jesus, to the Savior who was born? See, that's the most important thing. Not what we do at Christmas, but our response to Him at Christmas. And man, I, I pray that each and every one of us would have faith. We would worship and praise. There would be excitement and there would be a hope and assurance of our salvation. That I know, that I know, that I know. I have peace because of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Man, there ain't enough money in the world to pay for it. And it's only in Jesus that we can receive it. So as the band comes, we're going to do a last song. Think about how will you respond? Not to Christmas time, right? No, not how you respond to Christmas time, the time of the season. No, how we respond to the Savior, the reason for the season. Amen? So as they come, let's pray. And during this last song, man, step out in faith today. If you don't know him, if you don't have that peace, what a wonderful time of year to give your life to Christ and accept the greatest gift God's ever given, Christmas time, right?
And maybe you do, but maybe you're just frustrated right now at the time of year. You're frustrated at things going on. Man, we all are. We've all got stuff going on in our life, right? We're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or we're getting ready to go into one, right? There's something going on all the time. Let Jesus be your Savior today. Would you? Pray with me. Father, I pray in Jesus' name right now. Brother, help us to look at the, the story of your birth with faith. No fear. Help us to look at that and help us to worship and to praise you. Not the season, Lord, but the reason for this season. Help us, Father, to have excitement. Not excitement in the hustle and the bustle and the buying and the, and the striving. No. Help us to have excitement in you. The fact that God's promise of Genesis 3.15 was fulfilled in you. And we can have peace. Unlimited, unexplainable peace. And Father, I pray you help us to have the hope of assurance of our salvation and restoration to you. Just like Simeon had. Help us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.